This is Heather Meckes, Director of Discipleship at CRC, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to see how God is moving in and around you. If you would like to check out more resources, go to coopersvillereform.com. Enjoy the message. If you are able, will you please stand and join me for the reading of God's word this morning? Our scripture text comes from the book of John, chapter 4, verses 4 through 26, and it can be found in the Blue uh, Church Bibles on page 863. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and what I am offering you, then you would not you would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
Good morning, good morning. My name is Pastor John. Uh, it's a joy, it's an honor, it's a privilege to worship with you all this morning. Welcome to week two of our sermon series, Church and Culture, uh, where over the next few weeks, we will be looking at topics that are meant to stir us up and spur us on as we look at the culture both outside and inside this church. A few years back, I, I had a person from, from church reach out to me kind of last second and asking if I wanted uh, to attend the Chicago Bulls game that was at the United Center where the Bulls play. It happened to be a night where I didn't have much going on, so I thought, sure, uh, why not? And so I accepted the invite. I wanted to be appreciative of the invitation that this couple was giving me. I brought some tissues because I figured that we would be sitting up in the nosebleed section um, because I, I looked at the tickets they, they sent us and it wasn't in the 100 section. And so I thought, okay, well, hey, it, it, it's a free game. It's gonna be a great time and, and the Bulls are pretty bad this year. And so that, it'll be fun to watch the other team whoop on them. Um, so uh, I said, fair enough. We, we end up getting in, we go through everything that you have to go through. and. Uh, I wasn't sure where we needed to go or like which way to go. I, I'm not super familiar with the United Center. I brought a buddy of mine with me because they had uh, given us two tickets. And so we show them our tickets on our phone and, and they say, you, you're, you're gonna wanna go on this, this elevator. And it's like this private elevator. And I'm thinking that everyone else going up there, okay, whatever. And so we, we just follow along blindly and we, we go on this private elevator to the floor they asked us to go on and um, we, we get off the elevator and there's really nice carpet. I, I don't know, some of y'all are really used to really nice carpet and walking on it, but I, I noticed really quickly that this was really nice carpet with the Bulls logo and braided on it. It was really cool and it was in a section, an area that seemed really nice. And I'm thinking, where are they taking us? And it just happened to be, we were invited into what was a presidential suite at the United Center. And, and here's a couple pictures I'm not used to eating out of stuff like that, like those silver, uh, the sterling silver there. I'm not used to eating out of that. And, and there's another picture. I mean, they had a dessert tray coming by. I was stuffing carrot cake in my coat pocket, trying to bring some home. It was quite the treat. And I just thought to myself, I was not dressed for this. I was dressed for the nosebleed section and I felt underdressed. The, the family later said to me, we're glad that you enjoyed it. My family and I are gifted with these tickets on somewhat of a last minute basis occasionally, and we're glad that we got to bless someone else with them. I thought I said yes to the upper deck, but what I said yes to was so much more. It was truly an invitation that I will never forget. These friends of mine from the church that I was serving had a strong culture of invitation in their hearts. Invitations have certain messages that come with them, right? An invitation says that you matter. An invitation says that you're included. An invitation says, I welcome you into my company or my circle. When I asked our youth group leaders who at the time two years ago 
were Dory Keller, and she now serves our middle and high school, but at the time, it was also Heather Meckes who shared our announcements this morning and also read scripture, and she now serves as the director of discipleship. When I asked them two years ago, what are y'all doing at the youth group that numbers are exploding like they are? They both had, when you combine their numbers, over like 250 students rolling through our youth group. Every Sunday night, the youth gym was just packed to the brim. God was moving. And I just asked like, I, I wanna learn from y'all. Like, what are y'all doing where all of these students are coming in from Coopersville and beyond to be a part of the youth groups that you lead. And they shared with me one thing that I would never forget. They said, it's the power of invitation. They said the power of invitation. Student, students had bought into the culture that the leaders had produced. Students came into this youth group or these youth groups, they felt loved, they felt appreciated, and then they went out and invited others to experience what they too have embraced. I would like to pose to you this morning that Jesus is the greatest inviter ever. He's the goat. He, he is the greatest of all time. And it's not even close. In our text this morning, we see Jesus inviting a woman to experience eternal life with a metaphorical term that is used throughout the prophets Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Zechariah. And that term that Jesus used some 2,000 years ago was living water, salvation, eternal life. Prior to this divine encounter, I think it's important to note that Jesus had another divine encounter with a religious leader named Zacchaeus, or I'm sorry, he was not a religious leader, he was a tax collector, named Nicodemus. That's later on in my sermon. In John chapter three, Jesus encounters this Pharisee, this religious leader, this man named Nicodemus. And Jesus, not being a respecter of persons, sheds light to this spiritual leader on the topic of what it means to be born again. He was teaching on salvation through faith alone and the importance and the necessity of regeneration. It's a theological term that we know of that essentially means to be born again. And now in chapter four, the New International Version says, he had to then go through Samaria to get to where he was going towards. When Jesus has an appointment with you, it's important to know, church, he's not going to miss that. He has to go through certain places to get to you or certain people to get to you. And you're probably not expecting it when you're reading this story and this narrative, but he ends up finding a Samaritan woman at a well and Jesus being weary from the long journey sits down. We get to see this hypostatic union as theologians call it, the, the man of God, the God man and the God man, literally God, fully God, fully man, one in Jesus Christ 
being tired, being weary from the journey, but yet still being fully God and still 100% appointed by God for this purpose, to meet this woman at the well while his disciples go out to get food. He sits down and he engages with this woman. At noon, women primarily would would get the water for the day, but it would not be at noon. It would be much earlier in the day during the cool of the day. But she's drawing much or water much later in the day than women usually would. And she's alone. She's not with another group of women. She's an outcast in her society. The Jews and the Samaritans have a long history of animosity with one another on top of all of this. Hundreds of years of unsettled history. And even though Samaria is sandwiched in between Galilee and Judea, they don't exactly have a neighborly relationship, okay? And for Jesus to strike up a conversation, not only with a woman in public, but with a Samaritan woman, wasn't just a breach in a rigid social custom. It was, an, it was absolute taboo for a rabbi to speak of a woman, one commentator says, of ill repute. It, it was absolute taboo. But hear me out today, church. Jesus' invitation knows no bounds. Five husbands she's had, currently living with a man who isn't her husband. She would have been seen as unclean. And it's interesting when you parallel this interaction with the conversation Jesus has with the religious leader in John chapter 3, Nicodemus. Just think of these. You have one who's a male, the other who's a female. You have one who is highly esteemed, and you have the other who is low on the totem pole. You have one who is named, we know his name, his name is Nicodemus. And you have the other who is unnamed. We know her as the Samaritan woman at the well. One who is religious, Nicodemus, while the other who is a Samaritan who most likely only viewed the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, as authoritative. And with Jesus' longest conversation recorded in Scripture found here in John chapter 4, he chooses to have that conversation with the latter and not the former. Jesus is showing you why he is coined and was coined as a friend of sinners. He flips the social structure upside down. Let me tell you something, CRC. If we want to have a culture of invitation here, we need to befriend those who are outside of what your church row may deem as socially acceptable. I said this last year, and allow me to state it again. If our church has a bit of an aroma from it for those who have made regrettable decisions the night before or the morning of, it could be just 
because we're doing something right and because they feel like they could be loved here and hear from God here, even in the midst of their struggle and addiction. Luke 5.31 says, Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. Let's not forget Luke 19, Jesus befriends a, a tax collector who was hated, who was not appreciated. I don't know, tax collectors these days pretty much in the same boat. They really ain't appreciated now tax season's over with. But uh, he befriends the tax collector in Luke 19 who is not esteemed in society. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down from that sycamore tree, bro. I'm staying at your house today. Jesus goes out of his way to kick it and spend time with the outcast of his society. One of the greatest things I heard this month was a woman over 60 years old from our first service here sharing with me that she shared the gospel with someone for the first time. And her face was lit up with joy and amazement and she had tears in her eyes. She said, Pastor, I felt compelled. She said, I felt spurred on by this gathering, this faith community. She shared with me afterwards, is this how it feels to share your faith? Yes, friend. It's a beautiful thing when God lights up your heart and you say yes to a life of invitation. It's a beautiful thing. The conversation here in, in John 4 then suddenly transitions from five husbands and the man that she's with now is currently not her husband to worship locations. And if you look at the text, she kind of changes the subject on Jesus a little bit because sometimes when Jesus is like, it's like, okay, hold on, let me, hey, uh, let's talk about worship locations. You know, hey, well, our, our people are gonna be worshiping on, on that mountain over there. The conversation transitions and Jesus listens like the compassionate, patient savior that he is. And in verses 21 through 24, he essentially shares, it's not about where you worship, but it's about who you are worshiping. And in verse 23 in John four, it says this, yet a time Jesus says is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And it's this day that the Father is seeking a true worshiper from an unexpected location, where Jesus conversates with an unexpected woman at a time of the day that is unexpected to be at a well and who is soon to be an unexpected witness throughout her home region. Friends, who right now may the Father be seeking in your life that is unexpected, but could be one divine conversation away from turning the whole neighborhood upside down for Jesus Christ? Who might that person be in your life. Sometimes it's the ones who are unexpected that God unleashes an unprecedented move of his Holy Spirit through. And that's what happens here 
And it all started with a simple question from Jesus found early on in John chapter four, verse seven. This is how it all started. This is what spurred it all on. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus simply asked her a question. Will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? Sometimes a simple question can lead to great things, can it? Now the disciples, some of y'all are married because he finally said a simple question that one day, right? He finally worked up the confidence and said, you wanna go on a date? You know, like, like that, that, some of y'all are thankful to God for a simple question. And in here, the disciples are all of a sudden fast forwarding back from getting food and they're a bit surprised when they find out that their teacher, their rabbi is talking to a woman of Samaria. And we see this in John 4, 27 through 30. This is then what happens. It says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. She came for water. She left with living water and a message to her hometown. She left her water jar. It looks like she also left without reciting the sinner's prayer. There was no sign. Jesus' disciples and John the Baptist were baptizing in John chapter three, but there's no sign of this woman being baptized, even though there was certainly water there. Could have done a sprinkle, right? The reform thing. I don't think she went through the four steps to become Jesus' disciple quite yet. No church membership. Matter of fact, she wouldn't have even been welcomed in the synagogue of her day. She just went straight to the mission field. No water jar required. Y'all gotta see this man who told me about my life and everything that has happened. Could he... Be the Messiah was the message that she had. She, she didn't have a, an apologetics course. She, she may not have even recognized the prophets that Jesus were referring to that points to the living water that he was talking about because she was a Samaritan woman who most likely only trusted in the authoritative first five books of the Old Testament that we have, the books of Moses, the books of the law. Let me ask you a question, church. Do you wanna see a movement of God here in your area? I mean, do you wanna see a movement of God here in your area? If you do, then you need to be, and I need to be ready for it to be a bit unorthodox. 
It's not always going to be so clean and orderly and systematized. It's going to be messy sometimes. We had an activity center lobby full of new members this past Sunday. 19 adults, probably representing around 27 people, including their children. Ranging from high school age, young adult age, 30-something age, 40-somethings, then 50 to 60-somethings, and then 70-plus, I perceived. It wasn't clean. It wasn't super orderly. Wasn't as orderly as I wanted it to be, but I've grown to not expect it to be when God is moving. And as we were sobbing as a group while we were listening to one another's faith journeys, church histories, and church hurt, it just felt like in that activity center lobby that we were growing closer and closer as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, like the family of God was just meeting to console one another and to also celebrate what God has done and allowed in each person's life. And sometimes this can all happen with a single question, like, what's your story? Just what's your story? Share with me your life. It can lead to unexpected conversation with an unexpected person with unexpected results, friends. CRC, hear me out again. If we wanna have a culture of invitation in our hearts and thus in our church, it's gonna be messy, it's gonna be uncomfortable, it's going to involve the religious and the Samaritan worshiping together in the same church row, the progressive and the conservative having perhaps weekly coffee dates, the 75-year-old who grew up in the church all of his life, meeting at the tavern with the 38-year-old man who's wearing leather, who hasn't darkened a church door since the last time his parents have dragged him there. It's going to involve the woman that's been married once, who has five children, white picket fence, bought a quarter to a half million dollar home in this crazy real estate market that we have in. It's gonna involve her meeting with perhaps a, a young woman who's had five husbands and the man that she's living with now is not yet her husband. It's gonna involve listening. It's gonna involve breaking down barriers, loving on one another in hearing each other out, and yes, holding still firmly to your convictions, perhaps, but not allowing that to break fellowship. It's gonna take radical faith and a radical God to see radical fruit, church. That's what it's gonna take. And here's the result of it all, and Jesus here leading by example. And it all started with a simple question at a well. And here it is in verses 39 through 42. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. 
And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. It's beautiful. Jesus is indiscriminate in all inviting love led to many that day or over those two days being able to say, we know that this man is really the savior of the world. I don't care if you invite someone to coffee, if you invite someone to lunch, to a birthday party, to a concert, out for a drink, or to church. Whatever you do, Coopersville Reformed Church, I want you, and I want to as well, do it with the expectation that God wants to use us wherever we are and in every interaction that we may be blessed to have. May he continue to grow us as a church that is known for tearing down barriers and reaching the unexpected in our community and beyond. I love you. Let's pray. Father, I am grateful. I am grateful to be here with brothers and sisters who spur me on to be a more dedicated disciple of Jesus Christ. I am grateful to learn with them, to break bread with them, and to also worship with them in the house of the Lord. Father, right now, would you even prepare our hearts as we consider invitation at the Lord's table. And as we break bread together through the sacrament of communion, may you even prepare our hearts. Perhaps we're coming from wild, busy, hectic weeks. We just wanna take this time to remember you, Lord, and to remember your sacrifice, to remember your goodness, and to delight in it. We lay ourselves bare before you, God, and we pray as you have invited all who will believe on your son Jesus to the table, we pray that we would extend that invite to others as well as your conduits in this world. Father, we love you. Let our worship be that of in spirit and in truth. May you be glorified, Lord. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we pray. Amen. Amen. We will have a time of communion this morning. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are welcome to partake in communion with us. You don't have to have a church membership here, even though we'd love to invite you, if you to our next membership class if that's something you'd be interested in, you and your family. But as long as you are a believer here in Jesus Christ, we, we welcome you to take communion. If you're not a believer yet, you haven't submitted your life to him, man, we are so grateful that you are here and we would love to talk with you more about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And feel free to reach out to us after service. The same night that Jesus was betrayed, 
He met with his disciples in the upper room during the Passover. And he broke bread with them. And he lifted it up and he declared, this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup and he lifted it up and he declared, this is my body, or rather this is my blood, which is shed for you. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. As we prepare our hearts for communion, and as our elders come forward, we, we will pass it to you in your seat so you may stay where you are at. But I just ask that you would just spend that time praying and reflecting on the goodness of God. We will first pass the bread and then we will pass the juice. If the elders would come forward, please.